Welcome to the It's Possible podcast, where we tackle topics between life, business, and everything in between, and how we make it all possible with your hosts, John and Amy. Let's take it away. Definitely starting here. So no doctor has ever asked me about how my poops are. Ever. So just to catch everybody up, Amy's question to me is like, so hold on. Like when you're with your doctor... And he asks, like, how your poops are. And then you let him know that you poop three to four times a morning. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying that that's every morning. I'm just saying it's possible sometimes. Like, yeah, on average. Around. Like, what's your average? Average pooping? Just, yes, per day. Have you ever gone a day without pooping? God, no. Really? I, I, would, I would be afraid something was wrong. Really? Absolutely. No, I'm, 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 I am absolutely a regular pooper. Two times a day, a morning, <laughs> <laughs> but the more important point of this is definitely that no doctor ever has ever asked me like, so, um, how's your, how's your pooping? Now, they may ask that when they start checking like my colon, but they're definitely not asking I've had what my poop situation is now. Conversations about it with my therapist, my physical. Your therapist? therapist? That's okay. I didn't think I didn't think we were going to be mentioning that on the podcast, but <laughs> we do have a much healthier view of mental health nowadays. My so it's fair. No, you can tell people about the therapist. I ran it's a pelvic floor physical therapist, so I understand. But like, I don't know if I ever had a, a checkup where. We didn't go over my bowel movements. But it, that makes a little bit more sense because, like, you're, you guys are doing therapy in the playground, but, like, the sewage plant is literally just a, a national mall away. Stone Sound. Yeah, indubitably. So, yeah, that makes more sense. But it's not, they ask about it at, like, the checkups, too, when they're, like, knee see, deep in your hoo-ha. But, see, your checkups always involve someone going elbow deep inside your body's cavities. <laughs> Inside my <laughs> like, <laughs> like dudes checkups after you turn like they're no longer checking for hernias like that's like the whole like kitty ball touching i guess yeah like for women for while, but... you go to your like your primary doctor mm-hmm. and then check us and then but then you need to go annually for your pap smear and then once you're 35 to 40 you have to go annually for your mammogram right and i don't think for dudes that doesn't start until like what you're in your 40s and it's like colonoscopy and then they're shoving their finger in your, in your ass checking Have your you, Has your primary doctor told you when you need to go get your um, the colonoscopy? No, but I've heard test? no, but I've heard people talk about it. I think it, I think it's in your 40s. It's not is, now. Have they ever inquired if you have a family history of prostate cancer or colon cancer? Maybe on one of those forms at some point, but it's not like a constant question that's getting asked, which we don't. You don't, but like Proudly. I don't either. But no, but but they're still they're still smashing, it. still smashing boobs and checking. I don't know. It's not a thing. I, I, they've never asked. Is but my but my heart doctor talked about it the other day, where it's kind of like it may be uncharted territory, having like people in your thirties regularly going to the doctor. Because yeah. I don't think maybe they're just not people they're don't, not they don't go, so they don't have like questions. It's not part of the questionnaire. It's a little bit like Jesus. We knew a lot about him when he was a baby, and then he just showed up as like a thirty-year-old man. Like, what about all of them in between? We don't worry about that time. 
why is that? And like not like Joe. Come on, Jesus. Why 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 is there little to no? How angry do you want to make the six people that listen to our podcast and have me answer that question? Or what my personal opinion is. Here's a real reason. The real reason is that there's a lot of, there was a lot of, if you're going to talk about like, okay, let's, we're going to do some assumptions that he was a real person, that he actually exists, right? Historically, historically speaking, if you look back at that time period, people becoming a man or becoming relevant, it would make sense that if there really was nothing relevant to be written, right? It still was some, in order for somebody to make history, you had to do something that was relevant to then be written. So we're assuming that these followers... I guess followers, that's every biography. It's right. It's like when Michael reads the Who Was stories, it's like, well, Babe Ruth was a, was a wiry child that was constantly in trouble. And then all of a sudden, he plays for the Yankees. Right. And and so there, there obviously were things in between there. But a lot of times it's either one, they didn't do anything relevant. But also two, it's when it comes to that society during that time period, it's you're not you're not a like you're not a man you're not a citizen so there is no relevant conversation to be had it's like he was a teenager but it's what's interesting you do have some stories of wayne's boy right so you do have stories of him, him being a boy and then you know sitting with the pharisees and reteaching people like referring to his father being god and all that kind of stuff you don't know what that that that, that, is, a, that is a serious meow bye kitty but no yeah, and ultimately remember that the Bible wasn't written, and this is not even this isn't even Opinion. challenging anything. Is is that the Bible isn't written during that time period, right? Those books no. were written written way after, and then written, you know. No, I understand those accounts and then stacked together. We're deterring. I don't even know what we're talking about. Well, you we were talking about like, pooping. We were talking about pooping. And the reason why it was relevant is because it segued into how I actually wanted to start the podcast today, which was. We were out and about as a family yesterday. On. And we're driving around. Well, this is not the first time. This is why it's now making the podcast. <laughs> you, are not, you are not helping your issue here. So, yeah, ultimately is we're out and about as a family yesterday. And we would leave. And we had the dog with us. So Coco comes with us everywhere since Lucy died. Oh, and Lucy. Yes. And so she comes everywhere with us since Lucy died. And she she's a dog, and there's dog farts, and those are real things. <laughs> and they can be brutal at times. When we first adopted Coco, she, there was like a two-week, we called leaky ass syndrome. <laughs> I swear, if she, sat, if she sat on the couch and then left, there was something <laughs> that she left there that was like, when we that had... was a substance. Yeah. It wasn't even just a smell. It wasn't like a gas. <laughs> if we're teaching our kids about solid liquids and gases right now, it definitely was a liquid. And that couch was like made out of what? It's fucking sponge. <laughs> <laughs> and and so it was something so foul. Well, she was when we adopted her. They told they're like, oh, everything's fine, everything's fine, and then literally as we're going out the door, she's like, oh yeah, by the way, we forgot to mention, like she tested positive for it's like tape, it wasn't heartworms. Yeah, it was some some horrible like parasitic worm in her butt. It definitely assworms in her butt. Yes, and we had to give her medicine. And yeah, it so it was leaky. Properly 
her sphincter would not properly close all the way. So she had and a problem. leaked. <laughs> and it was something ever so foul. And so that was there. So so we're used to that, right? And so so luckily the leaky ass has not been a problem for a number of years. But anyway, so we, we would leave and we would go into whatever. Dick's Sporting Goods, wherever we were going. Shout out to Dick's. And um, and then we would come back and it was just like, it smells like farts in <laughs> here. God. Like in the car. Well, it Coco smells. Was, it, it, it seemed like the most logical thing because, of course, Coco doesn't come into the store with us. She can't go into all the stores. Right? She'd go to like Lowe's or Home Depot or PetSmart or whatever. Fine. Yeah. So we had a list. Right. Anyway, so so it definitely it was like farts. And it was like, wow, it just it reeks. It reeks like farts in here. But to be fair, to Coco, it didn't smell like dog farts. It smelled like rotten fruit. It's it's not well my go to is always like the kids have eaten have left a sandwich. Yeah, like an old or an orange underneath one of the chairs. Because every single time I clean out the car. It's as if a hurricane has come through, and I find apple cores and like melted marshmallows and old sandwich crusts all over the car. Right. So that's my go-to: is something is rotting from within. But you remember the one time it was a couple of weeks ago where it smelled like skunk? Yeah. Where I was like genuinely concerned. Yeah, you that you a asked skunk me seriously the if there was the if there was a skunk in the car. Do you think it's, do you think it's in the car? Do you guys have any idea how bad, like one, it's an animal. It's a wild animal. I thought It's maybe, not like a skunk just like okay, hanging out quietly listen, under listen a seat. Listen to my thoughts. Are you listening? I'm, I'm listening. Because you know how like cats will get into a car engine when it's cold? Yeah. I thought maybe like the skunk did that. And that maybe there's like where the wires attach from like the engine to the car, like there's a panel or something that like it got through. Had like a little sign, skunks <laughs> enter here. Because <Yes>. <laughs> like. it was, so, it was so potent. I'm like, is there a skunk under the seat? Am I gonna pull? Because I was taking Henry to preschool, and it was so horrific. It was like 27 degrees, and I had to roll down the windows. Well, there was a week there where we drove by. Like 15 dead skunks. Anyway, so the fart smell, as we all know, if you wallow in it long enough, you just become the fart smell, <laughs> right? So you, it doesn't stink anymore. And so, so it wasn't until we then got to PetSmart at the end of the day, we took Coco with, with us, and then we got back in the car. And I finally was just like, it smells like someone <laughs> when we leave this car is getting into the car and is farting in the car and then leaving. Like they're opening the doors and a bunch of grown ass men are farting in the car and then leaving. Because this time you couldn't even blame Coco because Coco was with us. And we came back in and it was like, oh my God. So we talk about this. We're like, are we stinky people? Is this you, just us? You have this conversation a lot. Yes, I did. I was like, everybody. I'm like, is this us, everyone? I'm like, everyone needs to go home and you need to shower. <laughs> like, you, everyone needs to bathe well, because. Poor Michael. He does. Well, it's true. He is yeah. going through the changes. The change. The change. Yes, and there. He 
emanates odors sometimes right. that are palpable. Indubitably. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. Yeah, he smells like an asshole. <laughs> so it sounds, so these I'm are you a beer sour ass. And the problem is I don't have a lot of good words <laughs> of how to describe them that wouldn't like cut him to his core and cause him to need therapy more than he's already going to need it. So I have a hard time being able to explain it other than it's like <laughs> it smells bad. Like <laughs> like that's that's all I got. Because all I want to do is like, did you smell like balls? You smell like sweaty beer balls. What? Or like <laughs> beer beer chunks. So one of my favorite things of, of one of from, from one of the movies that I watched a lot when I was it's called Ready to Rumble with David Arquette. And so it's Oliver Platt plays this. So they they ultimately they wrestle with like all these WCW wrestlers. So like Sting is there, and it's about these two idiots in like Wyoming that love wrestling. And anyway, so the early scene, David Arquette has got this slushy, and he's drank through the whole thing, and he wants to go get a refill, but he doesn't have any money, so he's going to go get a free one. And so his trick is that he shoves his finger up his asshole and leaves it there for a minute. And then he goes in and then he holds his hand on top of the lid and he goes in and tells the guy like, I need a, I need a new refill. I need a new slushy. He's like, why? What's wrong with it? It's like, cause it, it smells terrible. He's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And then he holds his hand up to the guy's nose, which has been up his ass. And so the guy's trying to describe, he's like, see what's wrong with it. And he's like holding it in his face. And the guy's like, Oh, it smells like beer sour ass. Like, how did you drink that? It's like, well, the butt fruits settled at the bottom. So that's what my, what I assume. very long explanation. You're welcome. (laughs) Reenacting. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, I, I, um, I semi recommend that story. So, um, yeah, you're welcome. So anyway, so the butt fruit, but that's what it smells like. And so it's hard to be able to explain it to your 10 year old. Where it's like, dude, you smell like piles of butt fruit right now. You need to go wash your And ass. then poor Jack's breath is awful. Sometimes Henry starts crying <laughs> when he's got to sit in the back seat with his brothers. <laughs> it's true. Because, like, it's just, you guys stink. You smell so bad, and I can't handle it. <laughs> I, remember, I remember when Henry started to cry. It's like, what's wrong? He's like, Jack's breath smells so bad, you guys. Because he's like three, right? Three or four at the time. And so it's it's like, it's just, just, just brutal honesty. It's like, it has brought me to tears. <laughs> it smells so bad. Every time they just don't. And maybe that's why he's like, don't talk to me. Because <laughs> we always think Hank's just kind of an asshole. He is an asshole. He is an asshole. But like, he says really hurtful things sometimes. Just like, don't look at me. Don't say anything to me. But maybe that's his like, maybe that's just his honest defense of like, okay, Maybe if I'm just mean to Jack, that he will breathe me. near me. Because when he speaks to me, it comes at me. It's like, oh, I can't, I can't defend it. So it's like, no, look, I'd rather have you cry looking out the window than, than trying to show me something on your Nintendo Switch. So anyway, I'm like, we're stinky people. Mm-hmm. It smells like farts. We are fart people. And maybe it's because we're always around each other. We don't realize COVID's been tough on everyone. <laughs> Bathing, bathing is not as mandatory as it once was. Like everyone's bathing, everyone needs to take a shower. So we leave, we get home, whatever. And I can't remember. I'm driving. Where am I driving? I'm going somewhere. To pick up the food. 
Oh, so we had. So I, because I'm mom, when we are done with the car, because boys are disgusting creatures, is it takes me like. I want you to remember just this one, that one note, that boys are the disgusting creatures in this story. Continue your story. It'll mean more at the end when you finally (laughs) reveal what the fuck's going on here. (laughs) Go ahead. Continue. Boys are really disgusting. Well, it takes me like 20, 30 minutes every time we go somewhere. To have to clean out the damn car. So I have just a pile of shit. Christmas. I know. Amy's talking with her hands. And she's also trying to destroy the microphone. Yes. Um, I have a big pile of shit. And I take it upstairs. And I plop it on the chairs by the kitchen table. And then we're doing our seeds. For the garden. And I still smell the stink smell. So and the farts. Yeah. The like farts it's, just, is now it's a light wafting. But I'm like. Did, like, the scent embed into the fibers of my purse? Like, what's going on? Because I have my purse by me. But it would, like, come and go. And then you were going to pick up the food. And then I was cleaning up. So I took everybody's coats and was, like, hanging them up. And then I lifted up my coat. And then I found the culprit. What did you find? I reached in the pocket and I found a bag of Coco's poop. Because we had walked her earlier. And when you go on walk, I Ow. clean up her poop, and then I put it in my coat. Hours earlier. Yeah, and then I forget. That there's poop. <laughs> yes. In your pockets. It's happened. And the thing is, you don't tie the bags. Oh, I do tie the bags. Not always. Listen. The reason why I can say that confidently is because I've then put on my coats, which you will wear at times over your coats, because you're so cold. Let me say something. And there is an open bag Let me say something. of dog poop. <laughs> that is at least days old, at least Listen, minimum. A, you should be thankful that we're in a frozen tundra right now because I'm thankful sense. that it's not hot dog poop. <laughs> yes. That's your, that is your argument. No, listen to listen to my words. I am the one that walks Coco. Indeed, ninety-eight point seven percent of the time. That is true. And I have an inability to regulate my temperature, so I am cold. All the damn time. So when I go out, I have so to bundle. And I have these real heavy gloves. And I'm trying to hold her on the And we've been trying to save it. money for years. And those glove warmers are expensive. They're one use. Your dogs drop warm pellets <laughs> that can be put into a bag. <laughs> Folks, you've heard it here first. This is going to be one of the things we're going to be able to do. It's a new invention. It's going to be dog shit <laughs> that goes in your pockets that you can then cup with your hands. To keep your hands warm. I don't warm. hold it in um, my pocket. I no one knows that for sure. It's just you and Coco. There's a reason why you're hanging on to this dog poop like this. No, <laughs> no I have on heavy gloves. It's real. It really is. It's hard to tie the bag, so I tie them the best I can, and I put them into my coat. And we're walking, and then I many times forget that there's still poop in my coat. In my defense, I also have problem with early onset dementia and yeah, we, we may have identified what your what your death may be i may have heart problems but you would definitely have holes in your brain I have <laughs> because some, i forget we're, things we're all the time leaving the store yesterday and like you <laughs> almost scream <laughs> scream you spoke so forcefully the door is open the door is open 
And I look down at my dash real quick, and I see no nothing but doors. And then I look over in the rear mirror and side mirror, and I'm like, mm, "This door's not open." And and then you just you look at it, you look at it closer, and you're like, "Oh, no, never mind." <laughs> like what were you? But no, you always get at? mad at me because like you'll say like, "Remember when blah 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 blah," and I can't recall. Memories, like yeah, you can't recall any memories. It's and not the, funny. And I'm, I'm laughing, one, but it's not funny. Like you have a hard time remembering like anything. Like remember this one time, like it was, like something that was memorable. This wasn't like this, you know, you know, this one time that like left the keys next to the cheer. Like it wasn't something super mundane. These are like actual, like notable stories. And I can't remember them. No, like you have no memory of them whatsoever. This is why I'm convinced that you continuously are like, no, kids aren't so bad. Like, what are you talking about? Like, were you not there? I... So anyway, yeah, yes. no, yeah. And I'm the one with the traumatic brain injuries. Something has happened to me. No. It's called, it, to be fair, it's called motherhood. They suck your soul completely out of your body. <laughs> Which also takes your memories from you. But it is, it's just, I completely forget that I have poop bags in my winter coats. It's happened more than once, and that was the culprit. Are we like 27 minutes into our podcast now? We haven't begun. What are you talking about? This is the podcast about poop today. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the poop podcast. <laughs> yeah, okay, we're 21 minutes in. So that was it. And I'm not disgusting. And I don't have an emotional attachment to the poop, nor does it warm my hands. I just simply It would be forget. scientifically incorrect to say that it wouldn't warm your hands. I don't keep my hands in my pockets. Again, I Maybe have... that's why your hands are so cold. Okay. I another thing. I God damn <laughs> I used to keep my hands in my pockets. Mm -hmm. And Coco but... is not exactly a great leash walker. And do you know what she did to my remember my you don't I'm amazed that I remember this. My coat that had like the super fuzz on the back. Yeah, it was the black one. Yes. Mm -hmm. That was like my, my parka for the Arctic Tundra. Yep. And I kept my hands in my pockets all the time to warm them. And she pulled and she ripped. Yeah, ripped through the pocket. All the way down. Yeah. So now I just have to wear gloves and then mittens on top of my gloves. Yeah. But I don't keep my hands in my pockets very often. I just forget that it's there. But anyway, we figured out our car no longer smells like poops and farts. Well, at least not because of there being poop in a bag. Yeah. Now it really will just be rotting apple cores and old cheese. Or dog farts. Or dog farts. Or just a little voice. <laughs> or Michael. Yeah, or, or Michael. Or, 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 or Michael specifically. Or if Jack's been breathing on the dashboard. <laughs> Okay, what are we? I don't so even one know. Of the things, no, I, we didn't. We didn't discuss. It's what we're doing is we wanted to get it. You can see, like, my notes for today is just the date, um, on my notebook. But no, what I wanted to do more. This is this is um, this past week I've been doing, working hard on trying to be able to get. So we're prepping a lot for what we call is our busy season. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. we've talked about this before in previous podcasts. The idea of having specific seasons. And how important it is for us to have seasons and these ebbs and flows within our company because we have it naturally in our family. And we talked about it being a very natural thing for you and your family because you literally, your parents own this seasonal business. Mm -hmm. 
And the best way I think for us, I think right now is emotionally, we're kind of looking at how we want to run our businesses seasonally as well. Yeah, because it allows us, because we do so many different things. And the one thing that you're always getting on me about is that I'm always doing new things. Yes. Yep. You can get angry right there in the microphone. Oh, I thought this Tell was the my microphone. No, that is your microphone. This one? Yeah. Now that actually sounds really good right there. You just speak into it right there. You, you can just lean like that. We'll get a type. We're in a work in progress. Right now, my, my Amy's microphone sits at like a, we, we, we have upgraded. 34 degree angle. Yeah. Like yeah, we, we're working on it. We, we used to, so we, we ended up upgrading the podcast from where we were speaking into our phone for a while. Mm-hmm. And then we got this thing called a Zoom H6. Thanks to our friend, Tyler Stone, right? He works with Dr. folks Stone. from Dr. Stone, works with podcasters and podcasting and that's his deal and so he pointed us in this direction and sent it our way and um and it has a microphone that plugs in the top and then i remember my dad has always had done stuff with yeah music and shows and all this stuff so i knew that he had a microphone and he had microphones that we can also plug into this fancy apparatus that allows us to record the podcast since we have one microphone that actually works the other one i i I don't think works any longer um but it makes sense Seasonal, seasonal work continues. You're the one that distracted me with the microphone. Should you have been, you have had long-winded explanations. Just, when have I not had long-winded explanations? It's literally why the podcast medium works for my brain at all. It's I can just share. So anyway, so um, <clears throat> we have the microphone set up. That's what we're talking about. That's new. And what we're trying to do is because we have the seasons of the business, transitioning and getting ourselves into a better sequence of when things are happening and so that is why i don't have a plan but what's important is like this is the first scheduled like on our calendar in a long time when we were doing the podcast early before kind of covid and everything else happened and our business really started taking off we always had like a time period like we had to podcast we were we were podcasting like every friday morning and it was something we did routinely it's allowed us to be able to make episodes so now we kind of finally have today's the first day that we've been able to have it on a calendar as we try to adjust into this seasonal ebb and flow for the business. Mm-hmm. And so there is no plan, obviously, because these are all the things that we're talking about today. But one of the things that I felt like that we've been talking about with some of our clients and things that I felt like uh, we've been talking about the last couple of days that's worth kind of just sharing this, uh, that conversation with everybody is um, it's not written. It's not on my. It's not on my notebook. You pointed with your pen. I'm just like my eyes needed to wander. No, your <laughs> no, no. Was this idea of so one thing that we've been playing with a lot late, lately, of talking to folks about, <clears throat> and is definitely a thing we've been focused on has been hyper localization, mm-hmm. and the concept of trying to adjust or help clients or help people be able to reach kind of like reach their who or who they want to be speaking to. And people get very overwhelmed with trying to share whatever it is that they care about, what we care about, what they care about. Our clients care about a specific thing. And what they end up doing is they start a podcast or they end up posting something on social media. And we've all kind of experienced what this feels like is you use Facebook more than I do. Yes. And you use it in a way where if you're looking for recommendations, how do you go about doing that? 
it depends. Well, it depends on what we're looking for. If we're looking for something <coughs> for our business, typically I ask in our professional networking groups for people that have done this shit before. If we're looking for an electrician, or if we're looking for the you know a, a best pizza place, then I will ask. Do just you, do you post it on your profile? Yes, I never ask on the story. No, that that's a good that's a good so definitely not the story, um, and you definitely could write stories and get some some feedback, but maybe where I'm driving towards is. When you want to know a question, let's say locally, we want to know who is, <clears throat> who's going to redo our gutters, mm-hmm. stop it, which is a thing. If you call a roofing company and they don't know what fascia or a soffit is, fascia, fascia, whatever, hang up on them because they're idiots. Well, we've experienced that That's like what I, four times. Yes, thank you. That's well, why. We're <laughs> like, did my dad just come up with the word? His he's just calling it fascia, and it's and it's. It's something else. And right. no, we had to Google it. It's for sure. Yeah, that's a thing. So don't not know what we're talking about, Meredith, when we call you at your roofing company. I have a problem with that. About me being sexist. No, this is going to be somewhat misogynistic, and I don't mean it to be. Well, then I don't apologize for my sexist comment earlier, though. <laughs> <laughs> Amy's about to be sexist, too, so. Yes. But it's like, I hate that, that it's. If you call a place, secretaries are still primarily women. And there's nothing against women. But A, they can be a little cunty. And do you experience your eyeballs? I love it. I love it because the transformation of where we've gone for this podcast early on, which was Amy giving me like stern talking to's. It's like, you cannot say fuck on the podcast. And then she just said, Women can be kind of cunty sometimes, which is definitely nothing I'm not going to argue with. I just, I, and again, I've always hated the phrase because I'm a woman where it's like, oh, well, you must be on your period. It's like, fuck you. I am angry and I'm angry for a reason. But it, it's just coincidental that you also are on your period at the exact same time. No. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm going to punch you square in your throat. Right in the throat. Which we were teaching the boys, talking about ADD for an offshoot here is that the boys were like we were talking about something where somebody was mean to them well jack was jack wants to bring his cat in public with him oh that's right and we're so like we got a harness for the student like we're we're enabling this psychosis right but keep going um so we yeah you're good okay so we have Bought the harness for the cat, right. but it's been really cold. So it's only been like once or twice that we've taken her out, and she does like full freeze mode. Wait, because she's a cat, and she's not meant to be walked. No, she's not meant to be walked, and I understand that, but it's like we can't, of course, let her out. Right. So we're trying to get her accommodated to the outdoors. But Jack wants to take her to Petsmart. And so we're like, maybe if she gets used to being outside on the harness, that we can maybe take her to Petsmart at a time and then his brain immediately goes to what if somebody tries to kidnap my baby right while we're in and i'm like you just punch him in the throat and then i think one of them was like or you punch him in the penis the balls yeah the balls. they so went for put, the balls like no you go for the, i'm like no like no guys you go for the throat always well you were like well what if it's a woman right that was your argument of like what it's do like you well, do? yeah what do you do if it's a woman you, you still you're not you're not doing a vp 
a badge punch, right? You go, you need to go for a throat punch each time. And they're like, yeah, but like, what if you don't know if it's a boy or a girl? I'm like, this is why the throat punch is always the answer. We don't need to go through a gender specifics. If it's a Z or a he or yeah, or they, like, we're not worrying about pronouns here. You're throat punching. Ask questions, ask questions later. Plus they're still children. No one's getting mad at a child for punching a woman in the throat or whatever, right? Realities. Anyway, so what were we talking about? Well, you were talking about. Thank you for you. You unapologetically went on with me on that tangent. Yes, which I appreciated. No, so we were talking about the idea oh, women that women being cunty. Yeah, being cunty. Um. So I have uh, when you call places, it seems very much where it's like. Women, and this is a generalization, I don't wonder, but women tend to wear their emotions on their sleeves more. So it's like, if they are having a bad day, you get the brunt of that. Yeah. Have you ever, like, called somewhere where they're just just downright bitchy? Or you've gone somewhere and they're downright bitchy and there's no reason for them to be? They right. just decided. Not shitty to you, anyway. Right. But right. it's just, that's what happened. And I feel like that happens a lot. But also, it's, there doesn't seem to be Again, this is a little misogynistic, but it's, and not all women, but it's whether you're at a, a, a medical office or you're at, you know, a secretary for a roofing company or whatever it is, is I feel like you should have some base knowledge of right. what the person could be calling about. So if they're, if you're working at a dental office and someone calls and it's like, okay, my tooth hurts. And you're trying to walk them through. Like, I feel like the girls at our office do a good job of, like, trying to figure out, like, okay, where's your located? The dental what do you office. Feel? Yeah, but yep. it's, like, at a medical office. It's, like, okay, I need to make an appointment with Dr. So-and-so. Well, what's going on? It's, like, bitch, how are you going to help me? Like, I understand that that's part of, like, they need to, like, take notes and, like, determine what your appointment's going to be about, whatever. Right. But it drives me nuts when, if they have no concept of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Then they try to make decisions based upon that. So that's what pissed me off when we called multiple roofing companies and we're like, we need a quote for Fashion's office. Well, and it was like, we don't do that. Well, I know a big part of it's your like, thing too, right? So it's like, yes, you do. So another thing that gets you, I know too, is don't be such a goddamn stereotype. Yes. And I know that that's actually, and this is like the feminist part of you. So it yeah. can come across as misogynistic, mm -hmm. right? Which I love the idea of like female misogynists, since you have all these like male feminists that are these soy boy type individuals that are like, anyway. So, but it's for you, it's God, don't be such a chick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it's, we've worked hard mm -hmm. to try and like fight for equality or be able to fight for like, mm -hmm. to not just be a pair of tits and ass yes, and it's and, there's... and you're just you're hurting us mm -hmm. karen yes karen you're hurting the group you're hurting the herd here yes. like we worked really hard so like goddamn, if you're gonna work for this business at least understand what a, what the thing is that somebody would be calling about because because for that company and i'm not kidding we called at least yeah at least three at, at least three three, yeah. three to four companies that that was our answer so they don't get our business because of fucking Karen. Right. Because she doesn't understand the basics. Now, I'm not asking her to be a carpenter. I'm not asking her to get on the roof and do it herself. Although, 
I will tell you that one bad bitch that came out. Yeah, Yolanda. Just, I like Yolanda. She was on it. That's, no, it but, but that's what I'm but saying. Was, like, you're was, gonna work for that type of company. You should know some basic shit. Yeah. If for you're real. working for, you just need Doctor Joe, the proctologist. You should have a basic understanding of, of like the things that he would cover in his spectrum, which is the spectrum, which is the rectum. <laughs> Nicely done. <clears throat> no, you better know about the asshole. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. It, and, and that's like where problems for you, that could arise with that. Right. Which definitely it's it's um, that's what I think gets you the most because it's like it's, it's don't be the bimbo. Yes. You don't need to be a bimbo anymore. Yeah. You're allowed to like be smart. Yeah. Or at least be able to carry on a conversation. So, bring us back because this was a tangent within it. We just went inception when it came to tangents. <laughs> so um. So the question was like it's if you need to find something locally you need help with i would challenge on if you're going to use facebook which this can be a very valuable thing that you use it for but it's you should, probably shouldn't depending on how your friends are incorporated whether you still live locally where you've lived all your life if you ask a question of like who can provide the best help for roofers if you ask on your facebook profile and say you don't live where you grew up it's probably not going to be helpful. It wouldn't be helpful for me if I had a bunch of friends still from Southern California and I was looking for roofers in Waynesboro, Virginia. And I asked all my friends who provides the best roofer. So like, well, you don't live here anymore. So like, I can't help you. So what we found, what we have found is that the best way to really be able to get opinions <clears throat> for local help is going to be our neighborhood Facebook group. Oh, well, yeah. If you so, so our neighborhood, our neighborhood, somebody ages ago, whatever, put together a Facebook group for our neighborhood. Uh, Lindsay Woodworth. Lindsay Woodworth, which we've doxed you. She lives at this address. This is her phone number. Um, anyway, so she, so Lindsay put this Facebook group together, but it allows, it happens all the time. Inside this Facebook group, somebody will ask lawn care, roofing, um, <clears throat> siding, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Who who's who has been getting the best mulch or whatever it is? Uh, who wants this from, coffee that I just bought from the grocery store? Which I raised my hand at five thirty a.m. this morning and said yes, please. Did you really? Yes. No one commented on this poor woman's post. She doesn't like her coffee. She lives down the street. <laughs> best case scenario is that she's dosed it with something. But the reality <laughs> is, is that it's just coffee. It's just like, well, I'll I will happily have you drop it in my mailbox and I will drink it. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. But this—it's a very good group. That's is, my point. Is that I'm very and that's happy my point. Lindsay made them. Oh, amen. And she has also scheduled all the food trucks that have come in. Yeah, which is also super awesome. And the last time this happened, we started a pizza company. We did start a pizza company. Now we have a <clears throat> taco truck on its way. Yeah, which is gangster. So, so we might start a taco company this year. No, taco, um, pizza. taco pizza, which we have done and was successful. Anyway, so my point being is that it's. You have these varying degrees of reach mm -hmm. that we all naturally have, and I don't think people fully understand or that we utilize. Well, people, I think people underestimate their value where it's easy for people to be like, I, you know, I've lived here my whole life. I'm just a blue collar worker. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm a jack of all trades. I'm nothing. But it's like having lived in one area your entire life, you would have a base knowledge of things that nobody, you know, me being from Portage, Indiana, mm -hmm. 
I understand Portage, and we don't live there now. I, I don't have a lot of experience of it as an adult. But I lived there for most of my life. And, the, and I have tons of my friends and classmates that still live within the Chicagoland area. That That is a skill set, essentially, in itself of understanding your local community. And I think that that gets undervalued heavily. And so definitely looking at this from a local standpoint, you were the point that you're just making, because mm-hmm. we had to pause just for a second so I could get back on it mentally, was the idea that like, it's people that have lived here in um, cities for either a number, number of years, they've been here their whole life, they have this network that they know in the back of their mind. And I think that that is undervalued or underappreciated. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think Florida, and I'm going to say something that's very obvious, but if you haven't lived there, it's no one that lives in Florida. It's from Florida. Exactly. Very seldom, right? Is no, that true? I mean, where we were was kind of a unique niche. So we were in Tampa, right? So we were in Tampa, and definitely. So that is safe to say, right? So uh, if you're from Soft Choppy, Florida, mm-hmm. or Bluntstown, Florida, which are two towns up in the panhandle essentially is eastern Alabama or southern Georgia yeah. is the reality is these areas of Florida they have, they have a piggly wiggly more than uh, more than likely they probably generations have lived there forever yes right they're not they born are, they are yeah, small it's, town. it's a small town they're I literally liked, one stoplight and, and, and Blunstown was great um, these are two real people two places right that were based off Florida has super fun names for their uh Oh yeah, towns. yeah, with all the Native American stuff and and anyway, so it's but where we were in Florida, which is around Orlando and Tampa, mm-hmm. were two places that the people that lived there probably didn't grow up there. Yeah, they either came from somewhere else and they were starting businesses or whatever. <clears throat> and so an interesting thing happened in these areas for businesses is so an interesting thing that has happened with businesses in this area and and see here's the thing this is just because this is my experience Mm -hmm. when it comes to working for businesses and working when it comes to networking was in tampa and so i may be incorrect in assuming that this is like something that was unique to this area Mm -hmm. but i think it needs to end and so it's almost going to be this is the challenge that i would issue to this is so networking groups were everywhere and so they were everywhere and the time period that i was we were in florida was where we lived in the Tampa Bay area was an area that got hit very, very hard by the recession, yes. like brutalized. Yeah. And um, so this is recession of 08, 09. And we were there in 2013, 2012, I feel like. 2014. So that time period that we were there, it really was tons of people lost jobs, tons of people either changed careers, changed jobs, whatever. And so because nobody was actually making any money, and everybody was trying to hustle, you had networking groups that were either brand new or old that were popping up everywhere and everybody was joining them. Mm-hmm. And so if this is a new realm, you may have heard of these groups before, right? So this is gonna be places like, so Rotary mm-hmm. is a very popular one. Um, a, one that was a local one that was starting up to try and challenge uh, Rotary or say BNI, which is Business Networking International. So BNI is a massive one, not to be confused with the BNI Bank out of Indonesia. So don't be confused <laughs> with them. But BNI, the Business Networking International, 
um, Keep It Local directly challenged and was one that was created by a, a lady that was local in that area. Again, all of them were just networking groups. Mm -hmm. And they can go all the way from they host parties, they can be fundraisers to be able to raise money for a nonprofit, all the way to be an I model, which is the idea that you are paid to be there. You're only allowed to fill, like if you're a realtor, then you're the only realtor that can be in that particular chapter. But, and then it's also that you have to bring in leads. So opportunities, sales opportunities for other members of the group, or you'll be kicked out. Mm. And so B&I, a lot of folks have had such unpleasant experiences in those B&I groups that this is what actually fueled the lady to create this other local opposition group, which is this uh, Keep It Local. My point being is that all these networking groups at the end of the day, their goal was just to help people make connections. And they become this big, gross situation where everybody's just talking about how great their thing is. And it's just all this self. And they end up just selling to each other yeah, constantly. And so it's the equivalent of the MLM concept. So right. of somebody reaching out to you and being like, if I send you, if I send you a video, would you watch it? Mm -hmm. Right. It's this gross si sliding into somebody's DMs and kind of talking about whatever your business is and trying to trick people into a Tupperware party. It's not tricking, but it is. It's just it's it's nauseating because it's it's so fake. Consistent. Yeah. But it's that's my point. Is the tricking is that it's this this friendship yeah. is fake. It's like, hey, girl. And I've been guilt. Listen, and I've been super guilty of it. So this is also why I feel so Try negatively me. about it. Oh, for sure. When we were hustling like Advocare or Herbalife or any of that crap years ago, for sure. That's the model, right? It's disgusting. It is disgusting. But the reality is, is that's the model. So I understand where people are coming from, but this is the issue. My point being is as we're looking at it, it doesn't mean that this networking group concept is wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just it's become it becomes perverted to what the actual true goal is. Because then it just becomes trying to hustle and then you're selling people all the time and you're being shitty opposed to being helpful, which is what we're watching. These smaller local Facebook groups, they can become in a very genuine way, which is someone needs help. I need to find a roofer. The one thing that was nice is that as we <clears throat> had friends that were in these networking groups and we got pretty close with a realtor that was in one of these groups and he helped us sell houses and helped us buy houses and he was great. Mm -hmm. yeah. but what the value that he brought was that it's if we needed help with finding a roofer or we needed help where we wanted to go buy a car or whatever those things were it's this is someone who i value their opinion mm -hmm. and that is what these facebook groups especially in these local smaller towns that's what they also conserve where it's mm -hmm. like hey i need help i need to be able to have direction of where to go and these networking groups at the end of the day they're just doing something um, in a place where you have to pay to participate that barbershops have done forever. That local, like the local McDonald's or Carl's Jr. or Hardee's where all those old guys are sitting around together and they're reading the paper and they're talking. It's, mm -hmm. That's what networking used to be is like actual human interaction. is isn't a bunch of paid business assholes that are like in this weird white collar thing that are paying to belong to a group. Yeah. To just share information that's local in the community. Well, it used to be, and I think that it used to be that way because, at least where I'm from, see, you're, you being from Southern California is not real life. And you moved around so much that I don't feel like you ever got the opportunity to experience 
some of the things. Like Waynesboro is very much Portage, Indiana. Right. And it's these old guys sitting around that used to be networking because these old guys have lived here. That's my point. And their families were from here. Like my, like, and when I tell the story, like, I remember when we were buying our first house here, our, my, our realtor was like, that's not, that's not a thing. Cause we were buying our home and we, and we were like, okay, the, it's like, well, you know, this is going to be your starter home. So you don't have to worry about like all these things I was worried about. I'm like, we mean a starter home. Like I'm buying our family home. Right. And he was confused. And it's because my parents, so my mom and dad built their home in 1978 and it's still the home that they live in. And my grandparents in Portage, Indiana and my grandparents built my grandpa built their home in 1948 and it until they got moved into assisted living and grandma just died was their home since 1948 in mm-hmm. Portage, Indiana. There's, you, there's one home. Right. And, um, and their parents before them. Same and thing. their parents before that. So like my grandparents were born in the twenties, 1920s. Right. And my great grandparents were born at the turn of the century and they are from here. Like, right. my great-grandpa came from Sweden. He's an immigrant from Sweden. Right. I guess as is my grandmother. Yeah. But, I mean, my great-grandmother. But, like, they came here when they were itty-bitties. Right. And so, they like, it's generational no, that we, people were from Portage, Indiana. And when we went and when we go into your family's neighborhood, you're like, that was my great-grandparents' house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know my great-grandfather like started like the neighborhood. He built that right. house. That's where they lived until they died. And yeah. there's grandma's house. They built that house. They lived there essentially until they died. Right. Here's but, my parents' house. They built that. But that's something that I have, you know, so when you and I talked about this a lot, and this may be a somewhat different turn, I don't know. But like, I feel like as, of course, as we're getting older, we're getting very finalized in what we want. You know, when we first got married and had kids, it was like, for me, it was like, I want to live in a stinking neighborhood that has like cul-de-sacs and other humans in it because when I, the house that I grew up in, the house my dad built is on 10 acres of land in the woods. So, and we're in a neighborhood, but we're at the very back end with 10 acres. So for me, it was like, I want my kids to have other kids in the neighborhood to be able to like ride bikes with. And, um, it has evolved, like you, what you and I have wanted has evolved since then in these different things, right? But it's, back in the day, there wasn't a, a there wasn't a lot of choice, but I don't think that that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, where, especially where I'm from, it's like, no, it's blue collar central. So very few families could afford to send their children to college, right? Right. If you're a man, you're going to end up working in the steel mills. Or lay a brick or being a bricklayer, right, right, right? Or a construction worker, because those are jobs that you can feed your family in right. and are good jobs, right? And still are. And they are. And right. I can't tell you how many of my friends from high school work in the mill. And right. there's literally not a damn thing wrong with it. I think it's, it's awesome because it's, God, I wish my kids would do that and not go to college and be six figures in debt. Well, at least what we want them to have is job security. Right. And have a skill. And have a skill set. And these dudes are machinists and they are millwrights and they are, you know, they have very specific skill sets. Um, But those were the jobs that you were. And if you were a woman, 
very few people I knew that were my friends were stay-at-home moms. Most of the women up there are hard, and you worked, right. and you worked as... Um, tons of the moms were, you know, secretaries in the schools or were lunch ladies or worked at local stores or, you know, those are, it's, it's what everybody did. Right. And that's how it was. And so going back to these old guys that are sitting in the McDonald's drinking coffee at 6am, it's, they are first or second or even third generation people that are from this area mm-hmm. that are just tried and true born and bred and they know shit and they can do shit. So back then the idea of like, they didn't have a lot of choice. It was, you're going to go to high school and then you're going to graduate and you're going to get a job. And then if your family is wealthy enough to have some land, it's, we're going to give you some land for you to build your family home on the farm or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I think that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's always been. It's since the beginning of time. You know, people complain about COVID of like everybody living together. And we saw that one video where the dude, they're living in the yurt. Right. And he's like, I get comments because they have a, they have a successful YouTube channel. He's like, I get comments all the time of like people complaining because all three of my kids that are tiny sleep in the same room. And they're like, well, why don't they have their own room? It's like, do you realize that that's never happened before in, in, in the history of humanity? People lived in one room shacks. Yeah. But it's like, it's this perception for some reason that has switched probably in the last generation, maybe two. Yeah, I would say 50, 70 years. Right. Where it is that you can go anywhere, you can do anything, you can be anything, which is has good aspirations. But what I think failed to be explained to our generation, and I'm not blaming people, but it's like nobody told us what the cost of that was going to be. Yeah. You know, it would just have been easier for since the beginning of time, which is just, I, you know, looking back and I wish that's what would have happened. You know, I wanted to be a doctor and that probably wouldn't have changed. But like the, I had a full ride scholarship since eighth grade to go to any Indiana school. Right. Right. And I started going to Indiana IUN close to home. Right. Because my my parents philosophy, my parents never went to college, so they didn't have any experience in helping me. But their philosophy was correct, which is just like, okay, if I send you to IU as a freshman, you have to live on campus. You're going to have to live in a dorm like it's a for them. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of money for us, but like. You could, like, we can give, it's the same thing when you and I got married. My dad's like, you can have a super elaborate wedding or we can give you a new car. Right. And that's kind of what his thing was, was like, if you just can go to IU, the extension and live at home, you can save so much money that we can then be able to prepare you for your next step after college. And of course, you know, being that age is like, well, no, I want the experience and I want, I want these things, which has value to it. Right. But again, it's that cost that nobody foresees. Of, and our generation is very accustomed to, and probably Gen X too, right? Where it's like, you the idea of living in a home and staying in an area and actually paying off your 30-year mortgage doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, realtors have that mindset as well. That's why it was so confusing for the realtor to be like, what do you mean? Like, this is your starter home. Right. You're going to live here for five to seven years, and then you're going to buy another one. And it's not advantageous. A lot of folks don't feel like it's smart to pay off your mortgage. Right. And they're right. But you know right. what I'm saying? No, but is my, these... that's my point is that you just, it's, it's the idea of being like, I want to be able to live mortgage free. 
and I want to have all my debt paid off. And I'm going to plant roots here, and this is where we're going to be. Back in the day, there wasn't a lot of choice. This was home. And that's right? so abnormal now. And it's so abnormal now. Right. Is that nobody has the ability, and that's why these keep it local and these old men in the, in the McDonald's and these Facebook neighborhood groups are so beneficial is because no, and Waynesboro is still a little unique where there are, and we've, you and I have always felt this. Now you're, I've been Chicagoland, Florida, and then here, right? And you've been Southern California, Florida, and here. And never have we lived in a place where it's like people want to stay here. The kids go to local colleges that are what max two three hours away. Now and and granted there are outliers of people that that go away to different places. But like where I was from, it was nobody wants to go to IU and Purdue. Those are where you go because those are the Indiana State schools, right? Oh sure. But it's like I want to go to NYU, and I want to go to Michigan. I want to go to Stanford, and it's those were the aspirations. But here, it's very, like, and I don't know if it's because it's it's very blue-collar, it's very homey, it's very whatever, but, like, people are like, no, I'm going to go to Bridgewater College, and I'm going to live at home, and I'm very, very content with that decision. Or I'm going to go to JMU, and I'm only going to be 35 minutes away from my family. And I think that that is a, a unique, is that even people that go want to come back here. Sure. It's such a unique area in the sense that, and, and as an adult, it makes sense, right? It's gorgeous, and it has everything that we would need as a young family. It's affordable. It would be rough you know. being a single and here. being here. Yes, I know. I mean, you're close enough to Charlotte. You're close enough to enough college. But that's towns. what I mean. You yeah. need to be in those. You need to be in those areas. I think this is a great place to raise a family. I think being single here would be hard. But you, it was so small. But when we were active members of the church as well, like I remember that a lot of the college, not everybody, right. you know, you, and you still have a lot of the Mormons that go. You know, BYU is a very common, is a very common thing. But like, people want to go here. They would stay. They would go to universities here. And again, in a little bit of that is probably like Indiana, which is like, well, they go to IU or they go to Purdue because right. they're the state schools. And I understand that, but it's there's also an exceptional an exceptional number of universities in this area. That's true. That allows you to be able to not necessarily don't have to stay in Waynesboro. You can go out to other larger cities and be able to do, but, but for sure. And so this is where exactly what you're talking about is what makes it unique is I don't think it's as unique as we think it is in this line of thinking, which is the concept of being able to network and all have all the old, the old heads that are all sitting around that can kind of tell you what's what and that and can give you the proper advice of who to go talk to, who to go see. Well, and it's, I think it's word of mouth, right? And but that's that, it. And that's how my parents have been there, built their entire business model. That's why my dad poo-poos all over the internet stuff because it's like our generation reads Google reviews and Amazon reviews, which are helpful, but like... But to a degree. But to a degree mm-hmm. because it is somewhat filtered. It's either super angry people right. that want you to know how terrible their experience was. Right. Or moderate, like, yeah, this was a great place and blah, blah, blah. But, like, they don't know Billy behind the counter. Right. And they don't know it's, oh, yeah, uh, Jim Bob's uh, my second cousin uh, and he'll take care of right. you. And that's the and that's how that's how real word of mouth networking is. is and, they know these people personally. And so this is my – this is kind of the challenge and what I – wanted to maybe be the meat of today's podcast obviously after the poop and it was the idea of 
you don't have to belong. Now, you can belong. Now, listen, Rotary does great things of supporting local charities and supporting local groups and all that bullshit, right? So this is not my point. My point is Kiwanis, mm -hmm. Key Club, all these things that are tied to these high schools, they do good things. Mm -hmm. But that's not my point. My point of this is, is that in today's day and age, if you have a podcast, if you have a business, if you have um, any influence whatsoever in person, you also have that same influence online. And so people have to properly understand that that is actually the actual position. That the same way that our little community can have sway or can have advice or networking or support of everyone that lives in our community of one another to whatever we all may need or have questions about, every single one of us individually has that same sway, especially if you have a business. So you need to understand that if you have a business and have a community, so a lot of our people that we help have a business that are gyms mm -hmm. and those gyms have members. Mm -hmm. And so you have these very natural tribes or these very natural communities that all exist inside this one business. And the reality is, is that if you are not creating that business or the people that you support, whether you, whether it is Tyler who helps people create podcasts and he has now all of these clients that now are also starting podcasts and have these different things. He's now building a tribe. He's building a network of people. So you literally are creating your own networking group and it doesn't need to stop in one place. That that support is there. And the one thing that's unique is that if you just stop and take time to be able to support the members that are in your community, and support whatever their business is. Mm -hmm. That's how like, it's a weird thing because what I'm describing is like, this is how you act like a human. Yeah, yeah. This is how humans, you know those old photos, like black and white? <laughs> like this is but, how humans used to interact. But it's, it's a weird thing that these things have gotten perverted that it's, there's this misunderstanding of like, no, the reason why you're friends with the butcher and there's the pharmacist and you have the, the hairdresser or all these people. You're friends with these people because those are your leads. Those are your customers, but they also have customers that you can support them. And then therefore they support you. Maybe not. But it's the same idea where it's, you know, it's all been all over the news lately here locally with um, Ciro's because the guy. Right. The local owner, pizza place. Yeah, local pizza place. So they've been in business for whatever, 30, 35 years. And the guy has gotten some type of cancer right. and so there's a lot of local businesses that are like doing fundraisers for them or whatever and it's like oh isn't that sweet it's like that's how it's done right you but it's like it's looked at as an anomaly of like isn't this a nice gesture and it's right. like that's what local communities local businesses small businesses are supposed to do right. that's how it works the problem is, is our society is so accustomed to Walmart and Amazon and McDonald's that it's, you know, if, if, if you have a McDonald's and then you have a local mom and pop burger place across the street and the local mom and pop burger place gets cancer, the owner gets cancer, McDonald's ain't doing shit for it. Right. Like, and, but that's what our society is now accustomed to, is that everybody's a stranger, everybody's a competitor, and that everybody's an opponent. 
Right. And that's the problem is that it's, it doesn't have to work that way. And it never did work that way. Right. It's just this like cutthroat, essentially race to the bottom yeah. on who can get the most and who can take the most. As opposed to trying, and I think that especially this past year, of course, there's been all of a sudden like the, everyone needs to support local business Mm -hmm. push because it's, because these poor bastards are failing. Right. And, but, but that's my point. It's like, do you see Walmart giving a fuck about it? Do you see, do you know, there's, there's no push. You see the small mom and pop places that don't have two dimes to rub together are Mm -hmm. the ones that are trying to lift up their communities and are still giving and are still trying and are still doing walmart is just taking right and not giving two shits about anything but that's not what they're meant to do that's not their job walmart right hell no right that's what i'm saying their job is to make as much money as humanly possible right and i under and that's and that's it but like it's I'm sure there's been documentaries and books written about it of like the destruction of America. Like, because for sure you and I have seen things where it's like once Walmart comes to town, right? Main Street is decimated and everything because the business model, where, and I get it, especially when you have little babies where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I need to get some new oil for my car and I need laundry detergent, but we're also low on milk and shit, I need to buy diapers. Like, that back in the day would be three to four different shops that you'd have to go to. And it's like, I can just go to Walmart. And now it's like, I can just pull up my phone and have it brought to my house. Right. Like it's a whole nother level of convenience. And as a mother, as a person that's trying to hustle, that doesn't have a lot of, because my mom is always like, I don't understand these people that order their groceries online. How lazy can you be? Right. How lazy can you be that you have to go to a car wash? Can't wash your own damn car. Right. Someone has to mow your lawn. Like these are your responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And and they still feel that way. And I was raised by that and I for sure still have the like I'll do it my damn self type mm-hmm. of attitude. Right. But the convenience of these things, I I totally understand their appeal. But it is such a unique thing. And I think that's why everyone thinks millennials are whiny because it's like, well, yeah, I could just, you know, I don't, I don't want to take my kid in and I don't want to do, it's like, bitch, we had to do this before we had removable car seats. Like mm-hmm. the, you know what I'm saying? And that's the problem is that nobody thinks to be fair back then they really left their kid just in the car. Yeah, that's true. So, so no, listen, but, but my point... millennials and Gen Z earn we earn a lot of us earn that reputation of being a bunch of soft ass bitches i understand that i agree with that but what i'm saying is that it's people have gotten so used to equating and again it's back to that idea that very few people are born and bred where they're at anymore people are transplants people move around people move for their work Mm -hmm. but you know and again it's there was no there was no option in Northwest Indiana, where the steel mills like, oh, well, I need to. We're moving to um, Topeka for uh, my new steel mill job. It's like that's not how it works. Right. Where now companies, you can be transplanted anywhere. Yeah. Right. And 
And that's how our generation is so used to working. And we live in these different areas and it has taken away the humanity of the towns and the cities. Is nobody looks at, like, I'm going to go to, I order, when, when, when it's someone's birthday, I order my birthday cakes from Susan at Susie's Bakery. Correct. It's, it's, it's like, shit, it's Billy's birthday, we got to order a cake. You know, and it's like, damn it, I'll just, I'll order it from Amazon now. Like, that's how it works. And, and it's just, nobody puts the next steps into the fact that there, there is a face behind what gets delivered to your door. You know what I'm saying? Sure. That it's, that if you're using the birthday cake example, when you pick up a birthday cake, no one's thinking about the people that worked to make that cake. Nobody wants to talk to anybody anymore. And I for sure am guilty of this. I don't I don't enjoy interacting with people. It gives me overwhelming anxiety. Right. But it's this was just part of the deal. This was part of the experience that it's back in the fifties, it's you know, the mom is going to pick up the cake at Susie's bakery. And then she gets to chit chat with Susan and she gets to find out like, how, how's your mom doing? And it's, oh, you know, she's struggling with this or, you know, her pipes burst and we can't get a plumber to come out. And then it's like, oh, well, you know what? Uh, my, my brother's a plumber. I'll uh, have him give your mom a call. Like that, that's how those things worked. Mm-hmm. And it's, you would go from shop to shop because there would be that tribal experience was very strong. Right. And people had pride. People had pride in their local football team because it's like this is this is Portage, Indiana, man. Mm-hmm. This is Waynesboro, Virginia. We are these people, right? And there was a pride in where you came from, and with that pride came a desire to want to make it better. Well, I that... don't think people are nearly as interested anymore in making their communities better because they don't have the mentality that other people actually freaking live in these communities. It's everybody else is a stranger and is an other. And there's no connection. Yeah. What I really think is that people are lazy or they don't have enough time. So there's this, this, there's this perceived lack of time and lack of preparation. And the issue that I have with it is that it's what you're saying is that people don't want you, but that's not what we're saying right now. Everyone's heartbroken and everybody wants to support and everyone can't believe when the business is closing down. That's been open for 45 years locally in the community. Mm -hmm. But it's how, how many times? When was the last time you ate there? Yeah. When was the last time you ordered there? When was the last time you talked to them? And, and if it's like not, then it's like shut the hell up. Yeah. Because what you're doing is all you're doing is you're just posturing for social media. You're just trying to look like you cared. But when it really mattered, when they were drowning and they were dying because their PPC loan or whatever the fuck that thing's called mm-hmm. and all the stuff that they got and they've been dying for over a year on the buying. Mm-hmm. And no one's been there. And it's like, oh, well, now we care. And it's like, oh, well, no. Motherfucker, you only care because now it's going out of business sale and everything's 95% off. That's the only reason why you care. Or you want to look like everybody that cares. And you're really just there for exactly what we've talked about before, which is Mm -hmm. why do the moms do the -the over-the-top birthdays? It's no longer for the child. It's just for the post. And so for me, it's if people really do care and they want it to be different, they want to be able to support or lift up their communities. They have the power to do so. And this is for where for me, it's 
you, they just may not have the time or the mental bandwidth to realize how they go about doing that because it is lost. The lost art of talking to people. Well, I was going to say networking. that is, is I think that there's is a component in it that is that is deeper in that in in, in it's that exact thing is that we don't we don't teach our kids or show our kids how to care anymore. We don't teach them, and it's and you know you have like the old people. It's like oh, I used to walk up hills both ways, and you know I used to have to shovel the dirt or you know. Right. I would happily paint the fence when my dad said, you know, it's sure, no, right. you didn't. Right? right. But they were taught to care for their communities because you live here and you work here. And it, it was a different mentality that just in the way that we live, we don't teach our kids to care for things. Everything's disposable now. Well, that's true. And so it's not like a, because, you know, and my dad always loves to tell the story. It's like, you know, when I got a bike, you know, that's that's like a big deal. This is my bike. So I'm going to wash my bike. And I'm going to take care of the tires. And I'm going to do these things. No child has that mentality these days of like, this is my bike. It's well, just like. But, but why is that? Because everything is cheap and disposable. Right. But and and our society, for sure, back then there was a component of like mom and dad have to scrimp and save to buy that one bike. Mm -hmm. You get one present at Christmas, right? You get the Christmas present because that's all anybody could afford. But it's the way our society works now is that you know, it's it's and the idea of like when as soon as you drive the car off the lot, it's obsolete. It's mm -hmm. the same idea with electronics, with anything. Well, now you can get your toys at the Dollar General store, and you can get ten toys for a dollar. You can get ten, and right, but but you know what I'm saying is that it's it's the way that we function, but we do it in how we interact, and it's gotten significantly worse. Like we've perpetuated another ten years because of COVID, mm -hmm. because of how we have now gotten it to where there is no human interaction at all. There's a thing I saw that was shared on social media where in Europe right now to help like prevent interaction between humans to prevent the spread of COVID is like waiters and waitresses will put beer and drinks on a robot that has legs and the robot walks out to your table and gives you the drinks and then collects the old drinks. Like a, like a, like a bomb diffusing robot in like Afghanistan. Yes. Like you have to walk up to the car and diffuse it. Sure. Yes. But the, but the idea that it's, you know, it's looked at as a good thing. Like, oh, look, we're reducing the risk of exposure. And we're right. and it's like, you are continually separating humans mm -hmm. from humans. And as much as we think that we're this advanced species, we have, we are, we have evolved, right? But we are the same freaking creatures that have existed forever. And we are meant to be social tribal creatures. Mm -hmm. That's why solitary confinement is being viewed as somewhat of cruel and unusual punishment. We are not meant to be isolated. For we sure. are not meant to be othered and alone. And we seem to now pride ourselves in how much minimal contact we can have with one another. Right. And I think it's, maybe you hit the nail on the head a minute ago, where it was the idea of lacking the connection with who's making the cake lacking the connection of who owns the business. And this is where I, I stand back where, you know, I said the idea of, of people being um, lazy or they don't have enough time. 
is everybody's busy in their own hustle. But the reality is, is like, oh man, I didn't know that the serious guy was sick. Like, well, we need to go eat there. Mm-hmm. We need to go support them. And I think people, I do think genuinely that people are good. I think yeah. that like I found it found fundamentally, I think people want to do the right thing. And mm-hmm. I think people are good. Mm-hmm. Um, life is going to teach us differently or will teach us to, to put up barriers to be able to protect ourselves. But at the end of the day, people want to support one another or they want to help each other, or at least they want to help their tribe, mm-hmm. whatever, how, however big or however, how small. And that's why I think maybe people do rally and come to the rallying cry. Once they learn that something is wrong or something has happened, mm-hmm. people want to support. They want to be able to give love. They want to be able to make meals for the family that's sick. Mm-hmm. Mom goes down. It's like, how can they support the rest of the family or whatever it is? So I think it's it's the obligation of the business owners or of the people that are leaders of their tribes to make sure that they're infusing as much humanity into their networks as they can. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think the people that have podcasts, the people that do have a following, the people that have folks that are within their communities that listen to them, mm-hmm. you have like a moral obligation of making others aware mm-hmm. of your community. Of supporting each other, of adding humanity. So it's not just so when you decide that if you're gonna go buy flowers, do you buy them from CVS or do you buy them from the person that you know and care about and see them and talk with them and know their family and they own the local flower shop? Do you go buy the flowers from them? Because at the end of the day, you'll spend more money going to the person that's local. Yeah, that's that's the main problem is that everyone's like, well, damn it, I can get I can get these flowers for nine ninety nine over here, and they're selling them for fifteen dollars over here. Yeah, it's like okay, but at some point, if everyone takes that mentality, then this person who you pretend to care about Mm -hmm. is going. Listen, if you hate the lady that owns the local flower shop, (laughs) then don't ever shop there. Right. But if you do care about people genuinely, then you just all you can do is even if it's like, man, I, I can't afford to buy well, X I, from so-and-so all the time. But but you can raise awareness that it's, yeah. this is the person. Because then the people that can, and this is the value. And I, it's we've, we've gone long on this episode, but I think it's important. And I want to at least get this last story in, which is, you know, we've been fortunate enough that the money that is starting to come, that comes from the government, these monies that are coming in, that it's like we don't have an immediate need to have that money to do anything with it. Mm-hmm. And Fortunately. Yeah. And, it, and but, but what we've said that we wanted to do is we've had things that we want to do around the house. Mm-hmm. But instead of what we normally do, which is like we do it ourselves, mm-hmm. it's who knows, who knows this plumber, who knows this person that can do things around the home that can help us, you know, redo our deck. And that's something we talked about was like I would do as a summer project. Mm-hmm. Well, also we just got this infusion of cash from, thanks Obama, mm-hmm. but we get the money that comes in from the government. And it's like, you know what? Who knows somebody that, that does this? Mm-hmm. So we get somebody and it's what we're literally going to do is take that money and then pay okay. someone else and turn it around to pay someone that's in the community. Well, we get that lead from another member of the community of who do you trust? Who does somebody trust? And it's not 
one of the big local, you know, big, big, big names. And to me, like it's because we had the money to do it, it you're now raising awareness or putting a spotlight on other people that either own the restaurant or own the company or do this or do that. Even if you don't have the means to always be supporting them, you do have the means to be able to put the spotlight on them and to raise awareness within your community. But and I, but I think that there is, and this would be my last story, if it's all right, um, is the idea that is consumptionism, is there, there are ways, as, and you and I have talked about this as well, as this is always my constant battle of like, in the summer, it's easy because we have the farmer's markets and we have the local stores or whatever. Because then it's like, you know, during the winter, I go to the grocery store. And I and I really enjoy bargain shopping and I really enjoy, you know, couponing and doing all that. But it's this idea that living where we live, there's not a real reason that you would ever have to go to a, to a grocery store again. Not if a, ma- you, a major chain. A major chain. Yeah. If you, if you didn't have to, I mean, you can go to the cheese shop, right? right? For most of your, most of your grocery needs, you can go to a myriad of local farmers for your meat. There are tons of farmers markets to get fresh produce. There are local dairies to get dairy product. I mean, there, you would not have to, it's not Bluntstown where there's just the piggly wiggly. But I stand that people don't know that. They don't, but that's my point. Is, they don't and, know how to do that. And I think the main complaint is like, well, yeah, but, and, and for sure I, I experience this where it's like, damn, you know, if I go to these places, a loaf of bread is a hell of a lot more expensive than it is at Kroger or Walmart. The problem is, is again, I think that trying to shift the consumptionism perspective of like, okay, I'm on a budget. Our family can only spend this much money. And I understand that children are savage monsters and will eat you out of house and home but again i think that that is i think that that is kind of a newfound philosophy as well which is like back in the day mom would make the homemade loaf of bread or you get the gallon of milk and they had a family of seven right and they managed to make that gallon of milk last sure so it's you know the the family of four that's buying like three gallons of milk and 12 boxes of fruit loops is like do you really need that much for the week and it's like well yeah you know my kids it's there i think that there can be a shift in the fact that you're going to spend more for that loaf of bread at the bakery but and again you're helping and that's always you know it's like oh okay i'm helping the local farmer i'm helping the local person and that's true but it's like we can make this loaf of bread. Like there needs to be value in the things that you're purchasing. Yeah. Opposed to, I want to get as much as I can for as As little little as as possible. And it's just cheap garbage. Right. Right. And I think that because local places don't jack up the price because they want to, it's the labor that's involved in it. They don't have the opportunity for, you know, mass production that would cut these costs in half. They're actual humans making the things. And so my point is, is that like, you can contribute. Not, I'm not saying you need to eliminate the grocery store trip, right? Well, and, and that's but, always, but that's a good point, though. It's, this isn't an all or nothing, right? It's, but there can be ways where you. Can, it's like, okay, balance. I'm going to buy milk from the local dairy this week, and we're going to get one gallon of milk, mm-hmm. and then we're going to make that last for our family for the week. There's not going to be this mindless consumption, which we do with everything. We do right. with electronics. We do with toys. We do with everything. That it's it's being more mindful that the things that you're purchasing. Someone made those things. Someone did those things, right? And and that's what you're paying for. 
and you're paying for it and there needs to be value in that. That loaf of bread that you were buying is not just a loaf of bread. It is something that is going to feed your family and it's also going to help that person that made it to stay in business in your local community. And that's an important relationship and a very important dynamic. Right. That it's don't don't let your kids eat the whole goddamn loaf of bread in the car on your way home. Right. Like and that's what I'm saying is just be more mindful of your consumption of things. Be more mindful of your purchasing power. But that's but, it. And, and but, 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 yeah. but for me, it does that what you're describing too comes from it's whether it's laziness is lack of time, lack of planning, lack of preparation mm -hmm. leads to then the, the path of least resistance mm -hmm. and the path of least resistance of what we've watched, I think for 10, 15, 20 years that's a serious problem is problems. Yeah. And I think that that's where it's like, if, 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 you want to save your local communities. If you want to make sure that the places that have been in business for 50 years stay in business and can make it through these harder times. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say too, and it doesn't always have to be like, like your local Papa John's, your local Domino's. Those are locally owned as well. I'm not saying like, don't shop at major chains, right. but what I'm saying is that like, know the people that are behind these businesses. Right. And develop those connections with them and just be more mindful of your local community. But that's it. It's, yeah. That's where it's it's not just if you choose to go to one place and spread the love. Yeah. The reality is I know for us is that it's we really Our like Mexican, Mexican food. food addiction. We really like Mexican food. And there are a lot of Mexican places. Mm -hmm. And I know it's something that's always weighed on you every time we choose to go to one or the other. It's like. Oh man, but like, what about them? Yeah. Like, I don't want them to go out of business. So it's, there's a conscious effort on our part where is it cheaper to do Mexican food by going to Walmart? Absolutely. Totally. But the reality is, is that it's okay. Well then what we're going to do is we're going to make that unique. That we're not going to mindlessly eat as many tacos as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. Is that we're going to go, we're going to support the local food truck. Mm -hmm trucks that are Mexican food trucks. Mm -hmm. We're going to go to the three restaurants or four restaurants that we like that are the Mexican restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that takes planning and that takes prep. And the reality is, is the reason why you care about the one Mexican restaurant so badly. is because they go to our preschool. And exactly. I like them. You know, the dad, you know, the owner, mm -hmm. the reason why we give a, uh, the reason why we care at all to talk about Papa John's in the story is that we know the owner. Yeah. And they're good people that, you know, that he may be a franchisee right. of a, of a national corporate chain, but it's like, he's doing the work to try to be a part of the community as much as possible. And that's where it just, and, there has to be more nuance yeah. to that conversation. But here, the reality is at the end of the day, it's whoever's in those communities that you hold and the people that you care about. You have to be actively talking about it. And that's where I think people want to do good. Because I remember early on when the pandemic hit and we started learning about meat processing and all these types of things and all these changes that were happening in places that were closing. We're like, well, okay, we want to help, but we don't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people just don't even understand, okay, how can I change this or how could well, I do that? And it's because of generations now, right, of a disconnection. Exactly. That it's like... If there's no meat at Walmart, what do I do? It's like, bitch, where does meat come from? It comes from animals. So find a damn poultry farmer. Right. Find a beef 
or a cattle farmer in your area. Like it's there has. But that's it. But that's but that's it. It's find those things, and then it's because there's people in your community that know these answers. Yeah. And that's where it's challenging. It's if you're a business owner, mm -hmm. start being a place or someone where you are able to lift up those other businesses mm -hmm. and answer those questions or bring attention to them. Yeah. And the best way you do it is bring attention to them on your platforms. So whatever the... You can find us on social media for at It's Possible Virtual Solutions. Find us on Instagram at, at It's Possible VS. That's V as in victory, S as in Sam, at It's Possible VS. You can also find us on Facebook at It's Possible Virtual Solutions. You can find John at on Instagram at jbanksfl. And you can find Amy on Instagram at amy.m.fairbanks. That's A-I-M-E-E -E dot M dot Fairbanks on Instagram. If you're interested in being able to uh, talk to us more about some different things that you have going on, you'd love to be able to get our input and be able to have us possibly come in and work with you and help you with the things that you have going on, shoot us an email at info at itspossiblevirtualsolutions.com. That's info at itspossiblevirtualsolutions.com.